from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Coming up on today's show, we're going to do our weekly installment of the Giants mailbag, so thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. I have a habit of forgetting to post the prompt for questions until the last minute. So I really appreciate those of you who who step in and and provide some really good questions at the last minute. So jumping right in, Josh Howith says, If the Giants were in on Bryce Harper last year, why wouldn't they try and make a trade for Mookie Betts? They could steal him away from NL West rivals and sign him to a Bryce Harper-like extension. What would be your analysis as to whether this is a good move? Haven't talked a lot about Mookie Betts this offseason, and I think for good reason. And when I have talked about Betts, it's about potentially signing him next offseason, not trading for him, because there have been a lot of rumors about the Red Sox being willing to trade Mookie Betts this offseason. And the reason for that is because he's in his last year of team control, earning $27 million, and then he's going to reach free agency at the end of the year. So the reason this doesn't make the most sense for a team like the Giants is because Mookie Betts coming to the Giants still probably does not make them a playoff contender, or at least a very legitimate one. I think it certainly would give them improved odds of making the postseason, but it doesn't, you know, they're not the most obvious fit where he pushes them over the top into a playoff position. If he was, I think that's the type of team he makes perfect sense for. The Red Sox would understandably want a lot in return for bets and then at the end of the year he's a free agent either way whether he plays for the Giants in 2020 or somebody else at the end of the year the result is the same anybody can sign him and I find it very hard to believe that he would sign a mega extension without exploring the free agent market so the idea of signing him to a Bryce Harper like extension is good on paper, and I think that the Giants should try to do that when he reaches free agency. But there's very little reason to think he would be interested in committing now without having competition for him, which should drive up his price. So I think a team like the Padres, it actually does make a tremendous amount of sense because they might be a team that's currently projected at around 500, and a player like Betts might push them into that playoff mix. And to me, that's the type of team that it makes the most sense for. But that's not to say, I mean, it's a totally different conversation when he enters free agency. I think in that at that moment, they absolutely should pursue him with everything they have. Next question comes from Kyle Welter, who says, could a lot of things break the right way and the team actually make the playoffs? I'm optimistic. So I like the optimism. I have not seen enough optimism just in general. You know, I'm not saying be unrealistic about the Giants, but... All the negativity has really been quite exhausting. And I I think, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about a baseball team, a baseball team that was in really bad shape when Farhan Zaidi took over. So 
I think we'd all do well to just have a little more patience and be a little less negative. So I like this question a lot, Kyle. Thank you. Um, that being said, I, I'm not optimistic about their chances of making the playoffs, certainly. But I don't think they're going to have less of a chance than they did last year when they actually had a legitimate chance at one point in the season. They weren't great odds, but they got their odds up to around 10%, which I think, you know, they they were in the conversation in July as a possible playoff team. And they were, you know, flirting with playoff position there for a little while. So I think that 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 the odds are probably similar in 2020 as they were in 2019, which is to say not very good. But yes, I think for a lot of teams, it's always possible that things could break the right way and they could make the postseason. I think that would have to include unexpected performance from a lot of guys and then continued good performance from guys who showed promise last year like Yastrzemski and Dickerson, Mauricio Dubon. I think they'd have to have like a breakout year from a couple other guys, rebounds from some veterans, and then the pitching will have to probably be healthy is a big factor because you know Tyler Anderson, Johnny Cueto, these guys would have to step up probably to, for that to happen. So not optimistic by any means, but but it's baseball and it's certainly a possibility. Last question of the first half comes from T-Rex, who says, How do you expect Farhan to go about signing hitters in free agency next year, considering the reputation of our park and the countless swings and misses we've had in the past? Well, that's definitely a fair question and maybe one that I don't take seriously enough. But for all the swings and misses they've had, they also have signed plenty of free agent players it's not like nobody ever signs here and I don't think the Giants have to go after like only one specific free agent in future seasons I think there will be plenty of options and maybe you just have to overpay a little bit I also think that pitching you know as much as the Giants may be hurt uh, by not being able to land hitters I think they may be helped by being able to get free agent pitchers especially pitchers who are looking for a rebound season to re-enter the market with greater value. Like Drew Pom- look no further than Drew Pomeranz last season, who cashed in on a strong it's kind of a unique and and different example because he wasn't very good with the Giants until they moved him to the bullpen, which was like four innings. But he ended up, you know, being a dominant reliever and cashing in with a huge payday in free agency with the Padres. But that's not really your question. I think you're asking more about impact, you know, elite star level free agents and so it's a legitimate concern but it's always been a concern and i i don't think you know they won in the past despite having this concern and i think they can win in the future despite having this concern they have you know most of their young talent in the minor leagues is position players like all of their top prospects are position players joey bart marco luciano elliot ramos hunter bishop you know seth Corey. Sean Jelly are a couple of pitching prospects, but they're not as highly regarded as those other guys I just mentioned. So they may be able to, you know, develop some star talent from within that group. And maybe the priority will be signing elite starting pitching. And that will be a little easier to do given the ballpark. Uh, that being said, you know, just break the bank. You know, if you're if you're all in on Mookie Betts, you know, like with Harper and the Phillies, the Phillies went that extra mile and kind of probably went above where they had him valued in order to bring him in because their window was right then and there. So it's possible the Giants could go a little beyond their comfort zone 
if trying to land someone like Mookie Betts. But also, I, I probably wouldn't put that on Farhan Zaidi because with the Dodgers, they, they always kind of stuck to their evaluations and they, it's caused them to miss on some free agents. But also, let's not forget that they win like 100 games every year and win the division. So I think the Giants would take that if they become the Dodgers. People act like they are some huge disaster. But 100 wins a year, any team in baseball would take that. And then you roll the dice in the postseason. I just don't think they'll put themselves in a position where there's a tremendous amount of pressure to make a big free agent splash. And there are always trade possibilities. And as long as your farm system stays strong and you treat it like the Dodgers have treated theirs and it just continually churns out good quality players and you have really good depth, you should be able to trade from that farm system to acquire major league talent. And then the players don't have a choice but to play with you. Anyway, that's all the time we have for the first half of the show. Coming up in the second half, we'll just continue to answer your questions from Twitter. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in Greater Phoenix within 50 miles. Meet the players and get autographs before games. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. Check off must-see destinations from your bucket list like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson. If you're bringing the kids along, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families with family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages from water parks to horseback rides to games and activities. Plan your spring training getaway now at visitarizona.com slash spring training. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Giants is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Giants fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Giants fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Lockdown Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockdownPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, here in the second half of the show, I'm going to answer three more questions on this edition of the Giants Mailbag. Sports Junkie says, how do you see second base playing out? Dubone getting most of the innings and playing some shortstop to give Crawford a rest? Where does Sanchez fit in? Now, this was my own speculation, but then it seemed to be confirmed in an article by Alex Pavlovich on NBC Sports Bay Area. The Giants believe that Mauricio Dubon will be at his most valuable in a super utility role a la Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor on the Dodgers, which is exactly what I said uh, in, in my analysis of the Giants signing of Yolmer Sanchez. So I don't see it as a problem at all for Mauricio Dubon. I know there's some concern out there among Giants fans that they're going to not play Dubon at the expense of playing Yolmer Sanchez. But to me, 
Dubon is going to bounce around the field, and he's young enough to handle it. He's athletic enough to handle it. And it, it does nothing but increase his value. And if you just look at what the Dodgers have been able to get out of Hernandez and Taylor, it's been tremendously valuable to them. So, you know, the word on the street was that Yolmer Sanchez signed with the Giants to a minor league deal over some major league offers because they they said he could have the chance to be an everyday starter at second base. So I would take their word for that. As long as those reports are true, they're not going to lie to the player. And I don't think that really affects Mauricio Dubon and the plan for him at all. I think he'll bounce around. And in this day and age, you want to give guys regular rest. And so, you know, whether it's Crawford sitting against a lefty and Dubon playing short, and then maybe Solano at second, because I think Sanchez would probably be in a platoon as well. Uh, or whether it's Dubon starting in center with Dickerson and Yastrzemski on the corners, or just sometimes having Dubon start at second base, or having him move around the diamond during a game in order to get your pinch hit opportunities during the game as well. Like maybe Crawford starts at short and Sanchez at second, Dubon on the bench, and then a lefty comes in for Crawford and they pinch hit with Dubon and then they put him at shortstop. Uh, it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, and some people don't like that, but it actually is very effective in, in how you have to do it pretty much in the modern day. Unless you have like elite talent at a position, you should be platooning pretty much all the time. Like You're not going to platoon Mike Trout, but if it's Donovan Solano and if, and, and if it's Brandon Crawford, they shouldn't be facing you know tough matchups. But I also think Dubon still probably finds his way into like 140 games for the Giants. Next question comes from Isaac Klein, who says, why didn't cheap Farhan get Matt Duffy? Okay, so my reply to that question is that, you know, if Matt Duffy never played for the Giants, would anybody be saying that they should have signed him? And the reason he's not necessarily a fit for the Giants, they have multiple players who kind of match Duffy's profile already in Mauricio Dubon and Donovan Solano. Right-handed hitter, plays the infield and is kind of not great, but maybe provides some value. So if you look at projections for Duffy, they're actually very similar to Donovan Solano. And the other thing about Duffy is he has not been able to stay healthy. He has had a serious problem with with being injured for pretty much his entire career since he left the Giants. And keep in mind, when the Giants traded him in 2016, he was currently injured at the time of that deal. And he barely played the rest of the year with Tampa. He basically had one healthy season there and has dealt with injuries like heel and Achilles injuries that have been really hard to come back from. So he signs a minor league deal with Texas. So it's not like, you know, the Giants missed some huge opportunity here. There's simply not that much demand for Matt Duffy. He also just kind of never developed as hoped offensively. I think there was hope that he could hit for more power. He hit those 12 homers for the Giants in 2015, but has hit just 10 home runs since in 2016, 18, and 19 combined. He missed all of 2017 with the injuries. So he's a decent player, but at this point in time, his value is very suppressed, and it's not like he was some huge opportunity and some must-sign for the Giants. All right, last question comes from Andrew Bader, who says, with the Pirates trying to lower their payroll and the Giants trying to buy contracts teams don't want to pay 
Will Zaidi trade for Chris Archer? Why not? If so, what would be a deal Zaidi would accept? So it's always hard to speculate on trades that teams would accept. But the thing about Archer is I'm not so sure that the Pirates just want to dump that salary. They're only committing $59 million in salary this season. It's an extremely low payroll, and Archer's one of just three players with guaranteed salaries on the Pirates. And they have a $11 million club option with a $250,000 buyout for 2021. I don't think they're trying to just give that away. And I'm also not sure that he adds all that much to the Giants who have kind of a full rotation right now of veterans plus the starters they have who are younger, like Tyler Beatty, Logan Webb, Sean Jelly is coming, you know, to fill that out with Kevin Gosman, Drew Smiley, Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, Tyler Anderson, Tyson Ross. I'm just not sure that two years of Chris Archer is all that valuable to the Giants. I think they would be interested. I'm not saying that. He's just really taken steps backwards in recent seasons to the point where he's been a below average pitcher. But I'm sure they'd like to try to get him to recreate himself and rediscover the form that he had when he was pretty good. So I don't think it would take all that much to acquire Chris Archer. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure it makes sense for the Pirates to sell low. I think they should try as hard as they can to get him to have a solid bounce back and then try to trade him as opposed to trading him when his value is at its lowest. And I'm not sure the Giants would want to give up much in return for Archer either. So I just, I'm not sure that that's realistic, although I could see the Giants being interested. It's more like I just don't know why the Pirates would sell now at his absolute lowest point of value. All right, that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every single weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again on Monday, and until then, we'll see you next time. 